everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash cubsweekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms. Be sure to rate, subscribe. Tony Andrecki here, joined by Andy Martinez. And we have a special guest a little later in the podcast, Alex Cohen, the AAA Iowa Cubs broadcaster. But Andy, let's start here. You know, it's Wednesday afternoon. Cubs just finished a series win in Detroit. Hard-fought series uh, wasn't maybe pretty or smooth. It wasn't smooth. Let's put it no, that yeah, way. Yeah. I think there were some maybe pretty moments in the Cubs' perspective. wasn't smooth, especially when you look at the standings and, and a lot of fans, I think, think, oh, this is a soft part of the schedule. Cubs could roll. At the end of the day, they win two hard-fought games, lost another hard-fought close game. Still, two out of three, you'll take that, I think. Yeah, I think that's the that's the most important thing. And when I look at this part of the schedule and I, you see, like, the Royals, you see the Tigers, you see the Pirates, the White like, Sox, the White Sox, like, you, your immediate gut reaction is, like, win, 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 win. Like, that should be – but, like, first of all, like, these are all major leaguers, so those good players. Like, the Tigers lineup was pretty deceptive, right? The the yeah. the, the record doesn't indicate how good that lineup is. Like, Carrie Carpenter's a pretty good player. Spencer Torkelson's a pretty good player. Like, one through nine – Riley a, Green's a good player. Riley Green's yeah. a good player. Like, one through nine, there's some solid players there. Same thing with Kansas City, like Bobby Witt Jr. There's, there's a lot of interesting guys in those lineups that don't necessarily just – you can't really just chalk it up as a win. And I think back to last year when the Cubs in the second half, after they trade off their, their, the back end of the bullpen, they trade off some pieces. They're so far, they're fourth in the division. And, and if you're they're third in the division, if you're a team that's competing like the New York Mets in, in 2022, you're thinking Cubs is an easy win. If you're a Mets fan, you're thinking this is an easy win. And the Cubs take two out of three against the Mets. If you're the Phillies who are chasing a wild card spot, you're thinking – these are easy wins. You lose six games to the Cubs. You get swept in the season series. Obviously, the Phillies went on to the World Series, so it yeah, kind of worked, worked out. out yeah. But but the thinking, like the the what I'm getting at is, these games for these other teams mean a lot. This is their chance to play spoiler. This is their chance to to say, hey, we're not going to make it to October, but maybe we can stop this team from making it to October. So you're going to get teams' best chance. That's kind of what we've seen over these last two series, and I think that's why it's been important for the Cubs to be able to take two out of three, right? Where it's gritty, it's not pretty, but they got they got four wins out of six, and you move on to Pittsburgh, and you hope that you can build on that and, and continue to make up ground on Milwaukee. Yeah, and I think um, I'm, I was reminded often over this little stretch, this last week or so, of David Ross saying earlier in the year of like it's not necessarily who you play but when you play them yeah you run into teams when they're hot and to use the Phillies example the Cubs got swept by the Phillies earlier this year when the fog and stuff from Canada was coming down Phillies were red hot at the time Cubs just weren't playing that great like they ran into them the the travel from London too yeah right exactly exactly it was coming back like it was a tough stretch a tough series um but right now the Tigers record isn't that great they were second to last in at least the American League, if not baseball, in runs per game. Boog just said it in Wednesday's game. Well, not lately, because yeah. like Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter have been two of the hottest hitters on the planet. Riley Greensman, you know, we said this. Javi Baez had a big double, which we know Javi Baez always can come through in moments, even if he strikes out at three pitches, you know, way outside the zone. So, yeah, they're very deceptive. I think Tariq Skubal is a very, really good pitcher. Um, who was the guy Tuesday? Reese uh, Olsen Reese had Olsen. some really nasty stuff. Yeah, like, you know, they, they definitely have some intriguing guys. And, and the Tigers, by the way, since the All-Star break, have been above 500 and have been one of the better teams. The Royals, their lineup is kind of pesky and, and stuff yeah. as well. Like Bobby Witt Jr., who had a big series. But they they pitched, or uh, sorry, played pretty well in their lineup. 
I mean, multiple pitchers that the Cubs had, you know, faced against them. They were saying that, like, yeah, it's pesky lineup. They don't strike out a lot. They make a lot of contact. They're ve- they're really fast. The Cubs knew that too. So I think it was it's that. It's like when you meet these guys, and the Cubs just kind of keep meeting teams at at somewhat the wrong time. Right. But again, the fact that you can go five and three in the stretch against the White Sox, Royals, Tigers, yeah, going into it, I mean, I think everybody thought they would do a little bit better. JD said at the end of Toronto. I expect the Cubs to be in first place by the time they play the the Brewers, a, you know, next week at Wrigley Field. And like, not to not knocking Jim Deshays in any, any way, because I agreed with him at that point. Yeah. But like, that's that was not like a bold take. Yeah, that's not going to happen now. It, it, you know, the Cubs were going to have to go uh, what ten and three or something like that in that right. in that stretch, nine and three, whatever it is. So that's that doesn't look like it's going to happen. The, you know, still possible maybe they go into Pittsburgh and roll. But I think. What David Ross said after Wednesday's game is really important is that the Cubs don't win games like Wednesday or Monday earlier in the season. No. They're finding ways to win now. And yes, there are teams that are out there that are playing spoiler, like because there are some talent, some young guys that are coming out and playing pretty well on some of these other teams. So I, I think it's not ideal in some ways, but still I think you'll take winning series any way you can get them. And the Cubs have to be happy going from Detroit to Pittsburgh with that. Yeah, and I think one of the big things from the finale in Detroit was for five innings, just how great Jameson Tyon looked. And we talked a little bit about it before the game uh, off off the podcast, but we were saying Jameson Tyon has to be has to. has to be really, really good for the Cubs down the stretch. Showman's down. Who knows when he'll be coming back, if he'll, if he'll be coming back. We saw the struggles with Juice smiling in the rotation. We'll talk on that a little bit later. But you're really, you're really relying a lot on Javier Saad, Justin Steele, and Kyle Hendricks. And Javier Saad, this is his first time, real time in the rotation uh, this season. He, he, had a little, he had some starts last year, but this is different being in a playoff chase and, and with every game being so important. Kyle Hendricks is probably as consistent as he's been and – in a while, so you kind of have some faith there. And then Justin Seals been, will probably get Cy Young votes by the end of the year, so you you like your chances there. But you can't rely on just three guys over the last six yeah. weeks. You you need that fourth guy, and really you need Jameson Tyon to really be like that number two guy, at the, at the very least the number three guy. And the I know the sixth inning wasn't pretty, and that there was some, some bad luck in, involved in that for sure. But those first five innings were really, really a positive sign for the Cubs going forward as, as they look to, to try and stabilize this rotation. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Tyone was also essentially one pitch away from escaping that. Right. Like, bases loaded, nobody out. You know, he gets a strikeout, gets a pop out, and then Kerry Carpenter comes up, hits a grand slam. But, right. like, that's that's how it's gone with Tyone this year. Is he's had some really good outings. He looked like he's one pitch away. He's had maybe a little bit of bad luck, maybe a little bad bit of luck going against him, or it's just one bad pitch in one bad spot at the wrong time. Yeah. So it, it, he's had that quite a bit. But I agree. Like I think he is, in a lot of ways, the key to this rotation because of what you said. And Assad and Steele never pitched in a playoff race before. So down the stretch, figuring that out. Steele also has already kind of blown by his innings limit and you know he's on track to to start Thursday here too so like that's that's a big factor Kyle Hendricks is coming off a very serious shoulder injury that could have been career-threatening it could have required surgery that would have kept him out for much longer even than than he came back from so yeah he's feeling great he says he feels like he's about as good as he's felt since maybe 2020 which is awesome to hear in a lot of ways but like there are there's a little bit of like this 
maybe hanging on by a little bit by a thread type of feel to this rotation. If Jamison Tyone ascends to the guy a little bit more that we saw, he doesn't have to have a no hitter every time out, yeah. but more of a guy that we saw for the first five innings today in Wednesday's game, I think that's what makes you feel like this rotation isn't hanging on by a thread and you feel a lot better about it because we don't know if Stroman's going to come back and in all likelihood he probably isn't returning this year. Like right. the ramp up after multiple weeks off from, from an injury to get back and make a start is that's tough. And when there's five, six weeks left in the season, it it's looking bleak. So yeah, I think Tyone is a key to this, but like the smiley thing and figuring out that fifth spot is the other key. What do the Cubs do there? And we talk with, with Alex Cohen a little bit later about Jordan Wicks, because that was the big news from Wednesday. Wicks was scratched from his start in AAA Iowa. He was supposed to, to start. They specifically said it was not injury related. Um, you know, he threw a little touch and feel bullpen then, you know, in the middle of the game, before the game, whatever it was. But, like, maybe he's an option to come up. I, I don't know. And, and we'll get the insight from Alex. But, Andy, just, like, thinking about where the Cubs go with this Drew Smiley situation or just the fifth spot in the rotation. Like, what do they do with this? Yeah, it's really the the storyline for the rest of the season for the Cubs, right? Because they need someone to fill that, 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 that spot in the rotation for the last few weeks. And you mentioned it. There's, there's definitely been times where it feels like it's hanging by a thread and you're you're looking at some of these starters and you're like, well, if they can just get it to the six, then they can turn it over to Fulmer, yeah. Leiter, Merriweather, and, and Alzali. That's like, that's the hope. But realistically, when Smiley's struggling like that, it really becomes like, can he make it to the fourth? And then you're putting even more taxing weight on your bullpen. So you that fifth spot is so crucial because every game is so crucial right now as they're fighting for a wild card or division, realistically the division spot in, in the playoffs. You need that fifth spot. And, and Jordan Wicks is an interesting case because – 2021 first round draft pick he's looked good in, in every level and i thought this year was the most impressive for just his development in double a in tennessee they're using attackier ball so there's there's some some differences with that we've seen some guys struggle with that and how the how things are how the ball spinning how they're adjusting to that ball and then in triple a there's automatic balls and strikes so uh, it's a little more unfair. we've seen higher walk rates for guys we've seen higher walk numbers for guys it's tougher for for a pitching environment in those two levels and he's kind of dealt with it like no problem he's looked solid over the the last few outings again no guarantee he's coming up right he's just scratched not injury related we don't know what the status is as of wednesday but if he comes up that's an interesting arm in the sense that you can you can either start him in the rotation or he gives you some length when you're having some struggle from from drew smiley or or anyone if they're not giving you length you need that depth to cover those innings you have that right now with hayden wasneski and a little bit in michael rucker but you can't rely on those guys day in and day out. So having that depth option also helps. Yeah, it does for sure. And, and you know, like, as we talk about, like, pitching for the first time in a playoff race, it, it, it would be asking a lot to ask yeah. Jordan Wicks to come in and be, obviously it wouldn't be the savior, but, like, to be even a stabilizing presence right. in this rotation or even in this pitching staff, making his big league debut and then pitching in a pennant race. Like, that is asking a lot. And, and this guy has intangibles, you know, like, very highly rated, like off the charts type of intangibles. Everybody has talked about that since the Cubs made him their first round pick two summers ago. And, you know, he seems like a great kid, like great head on his shoulders. I still remember the first media appearance that he did was so polished and really just right. like very, very impressive. It seemed he was more polished than a lot of big league interviews we've done. And that was even over Zoom, which is a little more difficult to, to kind of have um, discussions with with media. So, yeah, very, you know, really good kid. It seems like, you know, great head on his shoulders. It doesn't seem like the moment will be too big for him. But again, you can't 
count on him to be the savior in any way if he even gets a call up. So, you know, I think that's the Cubs still have some other things to figure out. And Drew Smiley's not going anywhere right now. Like, he's a part of this team. Maybe he moves to the bullpen and continues to pitch, you know, there as a left-handed option. Maybe Wicks is the left-handed option at some point. But as of right now, Smiley's on track to start Sunday in Pittsburgh. That's what the Cubs have announced. They could always change that, of course. That could be a, a difference here. But, like, for why they keep going back to him, the veteran aspect, I think, is a, is a big component. He's right. done this before. He's pitched in the World Series. He's pitched on the stretch. He was really good at this time last year, like really good. Him and yeah. him and Marcus Stroman and Adrian Sampson, which was kind of funny too. Yeah. Sampson came out of nowhere a little bit. But like those guys combined with Assad have like the best rotation ERA in the National League or like right up there for, for a big stretch. So, um, you know, he's a guy that's done it before. And the Cubs keep looking at the data and the numbers and think the analytics show that he should be better than this and that like his his production should be better. So I think they, they believe in the person. They believe that there are good times coming for Smiley at some point, even though, obviously, things just haven't been very good. He, right. he You know, going out and giving up seven runs in a three or four-inning outing, like, that's not winning baseball. That's not going to help you. And Smiley knows that. Like, he's right. known that for Seven months after the game. Yeah. So, like, but the Cubs, there is such a level of urgency that they have to figure something else out right now. And I don't know exactly what that is. We don't know as of Wednesday, but I think they have some of these options. And it could just be like a Hayden Wisniewski maybe open smiley comes from the bullpen, which they've already tried before. I, I don't know. But figuring that out is absolutely vital, imperative, like one of the probably the number one uh, item on the checklist that David Ross, Jed Hoyer, everybody else has to figure out because this season – It'll be difficult to – they certainly won't win the division. It'll be difficult to even hold on to a wild card spot if you have a question mark every time through the rotation. Like, what yeah. is going to happen? What is this guy going to give us? What are we going to do? You need to figure that out. Yeah, you really, you really, really do. Like you mentioned, that the playoff hopes, the playoff percentages go down if if every fifth day it's, well, are you going to get four innings? Are you going to get three innings? Are you going to get seven? Like, what are you going to get? When you have that uncertainty, it, it, it's really, really tough. And when you're asking your offense to put up eight nine runs in the that that's that's asking even more. So, it's a it's a it's the biggest question mark of for the down the stretch for the Cubs. It's the biggest it's the biggest thing right now for the Cubs is that fifth starter spot. And if it's Drew Smiley, if it's Hayden Wozniacki, if it's Jordan Wicks, if it's Shane Green, like all these options, like someone has to take that spot and run with it. And I guess the encouraging sign for the Cubs and David Ross has kind of talked about it this year is whenever something's gone gone bad someone has stepped up mm. we saw it early on in the year marcus Stroman, and justin Steele were great when kyle hendricks was hurt and when jameson tyon was struggling and when marcus Stroman started struggling is when tyon started going on his run and kyle hendricks was picking it back up so like we've seen that like that uh pick me up sort of effect yeah the cubs need it more than ever right now down the stretch if they hope to, to play until october yeah and it, it definitely will be interesting to see how the the decision on Sunday specifically because we that that big Brewer series is coming up after Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday next week at Wrigley Field. That's huge right now. Based off of everybody's start days, it'd be Tyone Steele and Kyle Hendricks, your three best starters against the division leader. You know, obviously that series itself, and then that series the last three days of the season could very well decide the division. So I think that's how the Cubs would like to draw it up if they could. But that Sunday start will be really interesting. What they do with it, if it's Smiley, if it's Wicks, if it's, you know, whoever, Wesneski, whatever happens from here. So, yeah, Cubs need to figure that out. Really curious to see where they go from there. But 
you know, as we look at like this season and, and guys picking it up and stuff, I, I feel like I'm just struck by Cody Bellinger every single day or every single game. Maybe he'll have a quiet game and then he'll come back and I'm like, how did he do that? How did he hit that? He made a great catch Wednesday that, that seemed rather routine, but it was a really, really good catch in center field earlier in the game. Then he comes up against Scooble, a really tough lefty, kind of fists a ball, you know, through the shift up there, like the slight shift with a shortstop behind the second base bag drives in two runs like he just he's hitting 328 off lefties he's done so much right this year that I'm just impressed and I remember you know I was looking back even today as I was looking thinking about his injury and where he's come from because he talked on the last homestand he just feels so much healthier with it there and there's strength like he can navigate with his bat path the way that he wants it to go and that hit that he had against Scooble kind of reminded me of that like not only is he catching up to the to you know, balls that are high or uh, that are inside that are, you know, maybe some more velocity to it, but he's driving them. He's putting them on a line and he was missing those the last couple of years, or he just wasn't hitting them with any sort of authority because of that, that right shoulder injury. So it's, it's kind of remarkable to see what he's been able to do when healthy. And this is like a dream scenario for him when they signed him, like right. he's leading, he's tied for the team leading homers, leading the team in, in every other offensive category, including RBIs. And he missed a month. Like, this is exactly what the Cubs would have. This is probably better than what the yeah. Cubs would have hoped it, when they signed him to a one-year deal. Yeah, I think when they signed him, and, and I was kind of in the camp when, when they signed him, it's like, okay, you at least in the immediacy upgraded your center field defense, which was one of the worst in baseball in 2022. So when you got Cody Bellinger, the belief was like, at the very, very least, for a team that's going to be predicated on pitching and defense, you have raised the defensive floor on a vital position. And he's done that. He's also raised the floor at first base, uh, premiumly yeah. uh, at, at a first base position. And I think when you when you signed him, you were hoping that offensively, like maybe he he's not going to be 2019 Cody Bellinger. He's not going to be that elite level bat, but maybe he's like a, a solid contributor, maybe like a 105 WRC plus, like a little bit slightly above average, and you'll take that, right? I think a 250 average would have been good. He's right. in 320. Right. So yeah. like you get that. He's got a 145 uh, WRC plus after Wednesday's game, which was second in his career behind only his 2019 MVP season. Like, he is performing at the level that I think you would have dreamt of, like, in their best possible outcomes. Maybe that's, like, in the 10th percentile, right? It's just so high that, 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 that that's – it's so highly unlikely that's going to happen, and it's happening. And it's been the best-case scenario. And as David Ross said earlier – in the homestand, he mentioned as as belly goes, our so does our offense, right? He's been a key piece to the offense. He's shown that, and when he's clicking, he, he is he's a force in the middle of the lineup. He he extends the Cubs lineup, and when was the Cubs' worst stretch of baseball? Really, in, in May, right? Yep. And he was out. Yep. He comes back. The Cubs go on a run. They're in a playoff. They're in the playoff push, and they feel it. And and his it's no coincidence that it coincides with his uh, return from an injury. Yeah, he's not going to win that in all MVP, but no. we were saying even before this. I think like, he'll be getting votes. hundred percent. I mean, I, I don't vote for it this year or anything, but like I would certainly vote for him, you know, if I had one, uh, at least some like down ballot votes because he's just been that impactful for right. the Cubs this year. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, it's funny that it was over the weekend against the Royals. He didn't like how he was up, you know, he was 0 for 5 with a strikeout or a couple of strikeouts in Friday's game. And he even said that, you know, he didn't really like how he felt. So Saturday he goes out, gets some early work in. He was working on kind of going the other way, going, you know, try, driving the ball to left center. 
and then he hits two home runs to left center on Saturday. Like, baseball's not supposed to be that easy. No. But, like, for this year with Cody Bellinger, it's that easy for him. Left-handed, two strikes, no strikes, whatever the situation. Yeah. Cody Bellinger's like, I, I can do it. Like, whatever it is, what it is. Yeah, no, it's been very, very impressive for sure. And uh, it'll be one of the most interesting things this offseason to figure out what the Cubs do. If they extend Cody Bellinger or not, or even to see what kind of contract he'd get. Because, you know, he's got a pretty nice payday coming based off of this season that he's had. So we're going to take a quick break here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. When we come back, we're going to chat with Alex Cohen, the AAA Iowa Cubs broadcaster. We're going to talk things Pete Crow Armstrong. We're going to talk about Jordan Wicks, Alexander Canario, Matt Mervis, a bunch more You know, guys that uh, Cubs fans should keep an eye on down in AAA. So stay tuned for that. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago's skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the Cubs. If you wanted to live in a more boring place, you'd live in St. Louis. Why not bank with Chicago's bank too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. Show your Cubs pride and open an account at Wintrust.com Cubs. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. All right, here we are on the Cubs Weekly Podcast again, and we welcome in a guy uh, titled King of Broadcasting, <laughs> self-titled, by the way, um, Mr. Alex Cohen, the AAA Iowa Cubs broadcaster. Alex, thank you for coming in. Uh, backstory behind that, I asked Alex just to want to get his title proper, and he said King of Broadcasting, so we went with it. So, Alex, King of Broadcasting, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us here. I can't believe the record is um, thanks, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Um, my middle name's actually humble in the grand scheme of things. So uh, but thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. I mean, it's it's a fun time to talk Cubs baseball. So, so whether it's yeah, you guys up in the big leagues or the AAA level, Tennessee Smokies are playing well, Myrtle Beach Pelicans are playing well. So it's it's a great time to be a Cubs fan. Alex, I, I, I sorry, I was trying to cut you off, but I wanted to say for those who are just listening and aren't watching on YouTube or on the Marquee Sports Network app, they missed your bright red face after that uh, introduction from from Tony, but but I, I just had to get that in to, to paint the picture for those just listening. Uh, yeah, the no, I we, I thought we were kidding. Apparently, we weren't. So uh, <laughs> it's really it's really good to know. Uh, King of yeah. Broadcasting, it's going to go viral. Uh, I'm sure I won't hear it from from my friends or anybody making fun of me, but we'll take it. We'll roll with it. Is what it is. Man, you're you're the king of broadcasting for the AAA Iowa Cubs. I can guarantee that. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. All right, so let's talk some some AAA Iowa stuff. Uh, PCA, I think, is one of the biggest names. Well, he is the biggest name among Cubs prospects, obviously, but he's one of the biggest names among all Major League Baseball prospects. He's been there. You've gotten to see him, Alex, with your own eyes for a few weeks now. Just what has it been like watching him play, not just seeing the highlights, but like watching him play every day and seeing how he contributes to the team on a daily basis? Uh, fun, exciting, exhilarating. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster watching him play center field. Um, I mean, he's the Cubs' most exciting prospect since Pete Crow Armstrong. I mean, that's what he was billed, you know, coming into his stint with Iowa. And all he's done is in his first 17 games, he's gotten on base in 17 games, hit safely in all 15, and or 15 of those 17 games, and, and then just a web gem pretty much every single game. I mean, when you go into that coach's office, and I try not to ask like big league comparisons because it's tough, you know, to place that on a 21 year old. But I go in and I talk to Ron Vallone, who's, you know, played 13 years up in the big leagues, manager Marty Peavy, who's been here for 10 years. And John Maley was a hitting coach for, you know, the 2016 Chicago Cubs. And their comparisons are Andrew Jones, Ken Griffey Jr., and Kenny Lofton. So you have. <laughs> 
a Hall of Famer, a should-be Hall of Famer, and a former Cub who's a six-time All-Star and a four-time Gold Glover. So they're not afraid to place those type of labels on Pete Crow Armstrong. He is so much fun to watch. He plays the game hard. He's learning how to hit and go through at bat to at bat. Every single game, it feels like he's improving. Um, I think that he is exciting, good baseball player, good teammate. He has everything that you want and more from a top prospect. And it's interesting that, that you bring that up where he's improving, right? And he's, he's, he's having all the success, and you mentioned all the milestones he's had in his short time at Iowa. Jared Banner joined Taylor McGregor before the finale in Detroit on Cubs pregame live. And he, he had something interesting where he mentioned that they wanted him to just keep improving, right? They're not setting like, hey, by September 4th or by September 16th, we need you up in the big leagues because that's when you'll be ready, right? They're just asking him to improve. It seems like every challenge that he's had, he has met that, right? And the latest challenge is him playing in the corner outfield. Is that something that we'll be seeing? And what do you think? That, how do you think he'll take to that? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, how do I think Pete will take to that? Pete wants to win and Pete wants to be in the big league. So if that means, hey, you got to go out there, pinch hit and play left field for three innings, he will absolutely unequivocally 100% do that and probably succeed. So um, I think that, you know, come September 1st, if the Cubs are still in it, if they're in first place, if they're in a wild card berth, I mean, anything can happen. Yes, you could have Pete Crow Armstrong, get a 40-man spot, come up, pinch hit, pinch run, go out there and play left, center, or right. Heck, he could probably play first if he really needed to, but um, he's the best defensive outfielder I think I've ever seen at this level, and that's not hyperbolic. I mean, he is fast. He gets perfect routes. He has a strong arm. Obviously, he has a flair for the dramatic. I mean, it is must-watch, must-listen-to radio and television watching him play center field, and you really can't say that for many players and many people, so... Um, yeah, I, I think that we'll see him in the corners. I think we'll see him pitch hitting here. I think we'll see him pitch running here. So any situation that he could be in in the big leagues over the next month, I think they'll try to have a dress rehearsal here in Iowa over the next couple of weeks. It, one more thing, too. just You mentioned pinch running, Alex, and I've seen these clips of like him motoring around the bases for triples or uh, just scoring from first on a base hit or stealing bases. But what have you seen just of his speed, right? Like we see it patrolling the outfield and all of that. But pinch running, as you said, if he does come up here, may be one of the roles, at least offensively, that he contributes to. How, how have you seen from him in, just in terms of the speed and base running aspect of it all? He's probably a one or two war player just based on his speed and base running. Five for five in stolen base opportunities. Always the ability to take the extra base, take a single into a double, take a double into a triple, uh, go from first to home when most people go from first to third. I mean, he is – I said he's the best outfielder I've seen here in years. He's probably the best base runner I've seen here in years too. I mean, if you look at the top half of the order for the Cubs in the future, you'll have Pete Crow Armstrong who will steal 30 bases and Nico Horner who will steal 30 bases. That's winning baseball right there. That steals you runs. That steals you games. So he he lives up to the hype when it comes to that. He's not only fast. He's a good, smart base runner. I mean, you don't see him being overly aggressive. I mean, he he's does it because he he can score. I mean, I've never seen him at least for the last two weeks run himself into a out or in a in a bad spot. Um, always when he takes the extra base, he's successful in doing so. So not only is he able to do that, he puts the defense. Um, and, and the pitching, it's kind of a, a mess for them. I mean, they they basically have to check on him every time he takes any sort of secondary lead. Uh, the pitchers obviously have a, a grasp of what he's doing, and 
that that's a part of the game where they notice. That's a part of the game where uh, they get distracted from making their pitches or executing their pitches because Pete Crow Armstrong's on base. So he he definitely affects the game in that way. Yeah, it, we, we talk about someone in Pete Crow Armstrong who could affect the Cubs and, and help the Cubs win, especially as they look for a playoff spot here in October. Uh, one guy who potentially could also help, it's interesting, Jordan Wicks, right? 2021 first-round pick. Scheduled to start Wednesday in, in Iowa was scratched from the start. What can you kind of tell us about that and maybe what is to come or, or, or how much you know about that situation? It, if you're looking for a stabilizing factor in the rotation, he's the perfect person to bring up. He is so steady. Even if he comes out in the first inning and struggles, he'll walk a couple, you know, the pitch count won't be great through the first inning. He has shown over the course of a start uh, to really just mature and learn and go pitch by pitch at bat by at bat, inning by inning. I mean, he is such a three-tiered thought process. He'll never kill you. Um, he's a guy that even at his worst, he'll give you four or five innings. He'll give up three or four runs. He'll strike out five. He'll walk two. And he'll keep you in the ball game to get to your bullpen. He's not the type of pitcher will have the blow up outing, you know, somebody you have to pull with through in an inning or two or two and a third, because he's unable to locate. Um, he's unable to have, you know, any sort of rhythm when it comes to his start. He is so steady. I'm not saying that is that a ceiling is overly high this year. I don't see him going out there and throwing seven shutout um, four out of five starts, but he's going to go out there and give you an opportunity to win Every single time he starts, he just battles. He knows how to pitch. He's smart. He's confident. Uh, the changeup is legit. It's the best changeup in the Cubs organization, and for good reason. And the fastball Vila was up to 93 to 94 last start. So I think he can go up there. I think he's stable. I know he's going to give you an opportunity every fifth or sixth days out there to start. All right, so as we're talking about guys who can help the Cubs possibly down the stretch here, Alex, uh, I think it was – before the game or middle of the game, whatever, today, Wednesday, that you were just tweeting about how well Matt Mervis has been doing lately. You know, the last 12 games, uh, hitting over 300, 400 on base, 600 slug, you know, five homers, 11 RBIs. Like, j just tell us that maybe a little bit about what Mervis has been like because, obviously, Cubs fans saw him in Chicago. It didn't quite go the way – well, it definitely didn't go the way the hype went, but it didn't quite go the way even the Cubs wanted it to. Now a couple months he's been back in AAA. But what have you seen from him? Has there been any difference in these last couple of months – prior to the, you know, the previous time before he came up to the big leagues? Yeah, I mean, I, I think just pitch recognition, um, not being afraid to go the opposite way. Um, spray the ball to left center, spray the ball to center. Uh, you know, yesterday he went two for four with a home run to right field and two fly balls hit over 380 feet, over 100 miles per hour, two left center. So he's making contact to all fields. If you look at Mervis last year, I mean, he was what, widely considered the best offensive prospect for the Cubs since Chris Bryan uh, seven years ago. He had four home runs in April and hit 306 already, sorry, in August. In August this year, he has five home runs and he's, you know, slugging nearly 700. He's having a better August this year than he did last year when he was widely considered the best offensive prospect in all of minor league baseball. So let's just take everything like a little bit with a grain of salt. I understand that he struggled up in the big leagues. Some people do that when they make their big league debut. You have an opportunity to come back down here, get better, and have sustained success. He is getting better, and he is having sustained success. And anytime you can get a left-handed power bat like that who can change the game one swing of the bat, you know, he's 20 to 25 home run power, 25 to 30 double power. He can change the game. He could really change the scope for the Cubs when he's clicking, when he's right, and I think he's trending in the right direction right now. 
And it's interesting that you mentioned that because that was one of the things when he was sent back down, right? There, there was one of the things they wanted to work on was that pitch recognition and improving commanding his strike zone. It seems like that message, that, that advice he's taken to heart. Yeah, his on-base percentage this year is 20 points higher than it was last year. Uh, he's drawing walks. It, it, it's a combination where he's not afraid to walk, and he's also not afraid to strike out. I think up in the big leagues, he's like, you know what? I don't want to strike out and cost my teams any outs. I, I want to be able to get on base. And that sacrifices power and aggressiveness. It's called controlled aggressiveness for Mervis. And I think that his ability to recognize pitches, not try to, I don't know, swing at sliders in the dirt, um, and then not be afraid to strike out to channel his aggressiveness and say, you know what, if I'm going to get a pitch, I'm going to swing hard. I'm going to try to drive it over the fence because that's why I'm up in the big leagues. I'm not up in the big leagues to hit, you know, 255 with a 325 on base um, and a low slug and an OPS. You're up there because you're 6'3", 235 pounds, and you're a beast, and you're a guy who has 25 to 30 home run power and 25 to 30 double power. So with that, it comes strikeouts, but just to make up for the opportunities where you do strike out, draw walks, and hit for power. All right, so keeping the train moving, Alex, let's talk about Alex Canario. Uh, I, you know, what has what have you seen coming back from the injury? We saw on Wednesday he had three hits, he had a double off the wall that was hammered, a big home run. But just in general, like Canario is a guy who's already on the 40-man roster, unlike PCA who need to be added to. But, you know, it, it just in general, like serious injury, shoulder, ankle injury, coming back, he doesn't look like he's missed a step to me from afar. What have you seen, Alex? Really, over the last two weeks, he's turned a corner. I think when he first got here to Iowa, it was more touch and feel and trying to figure out that tempo and that pace and pitch recognition. I mean, this was a guy who you said had not only one, but two serious injuries. He wasn't even supposed to play this year. And now he's played 30 games with Iowa. He's averaging a run batted in per game. He's got an 11-game hitting streak. He just had three hits today. He has two hits on Tuesday. He's looking like the Alexander Canario from last year. And, I mean, I'll be bullish. If he wasn't injured, you'd be talking about Alexander Canario getting that call up to the big leagues and not Pete Armstrong. I mean, Alexander Canario is a legitimate four-tool outfielder, which if he can hit for average, he'll be a five-tool outfielder. He can play all three outfield positions. He has a strong arm. He can steal bases. He's a smart base runner. He had 37 home runs last year. And as we saw, homers in back-to-back games here for the I-Cubs, He's everything that you could possibly want from an outfielder. Um, I think that he right now can help the team in a playoff run. But fortunately for the Chicago Cubs team, their depth is in their outfield. So, you know, pick your poison in a sense against other teams. You bring up Alexander Canario of the 37 home run power. You bring up Pete Crow Armstrong and you have 30 stolen base power or 30 stolen base capabilities. Uh, and then the opportunity to go out there and play go-go caliber defense. So, um it's a good problem to have if you're the Cubs. And Alexander Canario, I think in most organizations, in most years, he's a top three or five prospect. He's legit. It's it's funny you say that, right, with the not with the new rules, right? I shouldn't say new rules. It's been like that for a few years. But it's the 28-man roster, right, whereas before you could call up 40 men. And that like that wouldn't yeah. have been an issue a couple of years ago. You would have just said, all right, PCA and, and, and Canario, like, go ahead and bring them up. But th- those, are, those are two interesting names to, to keep an eye on that. Could potentially could contribute another guy who's interesting i mean his his struggles were pronounced in that houston astros series earlier in may keegan thompson and and just how bad he struggled and and then he went down to iowa and the walks really were an issue and he he struggled for a bit went on the injured list what have you seen out of him lately it seems like the last few outings he's he could be another guy that's turning up the corner 
Yeah, I think Keegan just had to get healthy. Um, you saw at the beginning of spring training, um, yeah, the passball velocity was 91 to 92. And he was just behind the eight ball from there. So he took some time. He got healthy. He got bigger. He got stronger. Fastball right now is 93 to 94, topping out at 95. Last four outings, eight and a third innings. He's given up six hits. He's walked one. He's struck out eight. And he's looking like the Keegan Thompson of old. Uh, and I've talked to Keegan. He's like, you know what? Every single outing, I'm just getting better. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling more comfortable with my cutters against lefties, slider against righties, fastball location. He's even experimenting with the changeup a little bit here. Um, he looks really good. Now, you know, that that being said, he's given up some hard hit balls, but he's just experimenting with, with, with some stuff, you know, mechanically. Um, he's definitely getting stronger. He's definitely getting bigger in a good way. He just looks healthier and happier. And I think that he's in a much better spot than he was in in June. And, and I think with a couple more outings, he's not only a guy who can go up to the big leagues, he can help in the big leagues. He doesn't have to close anymore. Adbert Alzali is the best closer since July 1st. So he can go up there. He can pitch in the sixth. He can pitch in the seventh. He can pitch multiple innings and he can help you win ball games in September. Speaking of pitchers that could potentially come up and help Alex, uh, you know, Shane Green, veteran down there, is a guy that uh, stretched out a little bit. He's been starting. He's been performing pretty well. But, you know, between Green and just some of the other guys, like who are some of the arms, I guess, right now on the staff, Green and beyond, that you see maybe could make a, an impact on the big league pitching staff as we talk about, you know, potential um, issues in the starting rotation for the Cubs, whether it's Jordan Wicks coming up or whatever, like green and beyond, like what are some of the other names that Cubs fans should keep an eye on? Well, I'm just going to talk about two guys who are here major league rehabbing on the big league IL, Nick Birdie and Brad Boxberger. You know, Brad Boxberger, former all-star Nick Birdie, you know, came up throwing a hundred mile per hour fastballs before having an emergency appendectomy. Those are two guys, along with Keegan Thompson, you get Boxberger healthy, you get Birdie healthy, you get Thompson back. Those are three top flight righties, either with stuff with Birdie or guys who have had big league success in Keegan Thompson and Brad Boxberger. So it's really just those three guys who are all three of them getting healthy. Keegan on the active roster, other two on big league rehab. I mean, those are reinforcements right there that when they're right, they can help you win games. So those, those three names just stick out of my mind. And some other guys I wanted to ask about, too, is, is, is some of the lefties, right? Whether it's Anthony Kay, whether it's Luke Little, Brendan Little, Bailey Horn, some guys like that. Because the one thing that we know, and it's been like this all season, the Cubs have lacked a left-handed arm really out of the pen. Mark Leiter Jr. has been their, their left-handed specialist uh, with, the, with the splitter and, and just the reverse splits that he has. But when Drew Smiley was moved back into the rotation, that took away a lefty option. So what, what could some of those guys be a potential uh, fit for the Cubs in the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, I think Anthony Kay was up in the big leagues for two and a half months. I mean, he was lights out up until Wednesday's outing where uh, he got babbit to death a little bit. So the line doesn't look great. I don't think he had a ball hit against him over 75 miles per hour. So just didn't have some luck. He's been pretty good with us. Uh, Bailey Horn's got some high octane stuff from the left side, fastball, breaking ball. Um, he's been up and down. He was just placed on the temporary inactive list. He and his wife just actually had their first kid. So congratulations to the Horn family if you're watching in. So Bailey hoping to be activated in the next couple of days. Um, you know, Richard Blyer was a guy who was signed, uh, was designated for assignment by the Boston Red Sox. He's a guy with a bevy of big, big league experience. Great lefty, lefty splits. Uh, Brennan Little came in today, posted up a couple zeros. You know, Brennan's a former first round draft pick up in the big leagues last year when the Cubs played Toronto. Um, his left on left splits are pretty impressive as well. So 
you know what? If it's up to me, I'm probably saying Anthony K. I think Luke Little has been really, really impressive. Uh, but he's a guy who's only been at the AAA level for three weeks. I mean, you see 6'8", throws 95, last outing, two winnings, one hit, five Ks. I like it. I think that, you know, going forward to 2024, he's probably the lefty that really sticks out who can make his way into the bullpen in Chicago and be a force. Uh, but just three weeks into his AAA career, going into a pennant race, I mean, there's there's some volatility there. But when it comes to the best stuff, um, the most uncomfortable at bats, it's Luke Little, just whether he's ready for the big leagues, that's the question. All right, Alex, before we let you go here, um, you know, we've touched on almost every player on the roster, but is there anybody else that we haven't talked about that you think Cubs fans should be aware of or, or just kind of know of how they're playing down there, how they're progressing, how they're developing? I do. I mean, there's two players that stick out. Actually, three players that stick out of my mind uh, from an offensive perspective. Jonathan Perlaza has just had a monster year uh, for the Iowa Cubs. He leads the league in doubles. Uh, he's among the league leaders in walks drawn. OPS, OPP for regular players. Um, I mean, his OPS is over 900. His on-base percentage is around 400. He's hit 18 home runs, actually now 19 home runs. Um, again, with the doubles, three triples, leads the league in extra base hits. He's a switch hitter. He can hit righty. He can hit lefty. I wouldn't be shocked um, if Jonathan Perlas is put in a position to go up to the big leagues as a switch hitter and give him quality at bats during this postseason run. Um, he's somebody that I don't know where he profiles defensively. He's worked a lot in the corners in left field and right field after being an infield convert. Um, but he's somebody right now offensively, there is not a shadow of doubt in my mind that he can give you a quality at bat up in the big leagues and help you win games. Um, so he's somebody that sticks out to me. Jake Slaughter set an up and down season. He's now homered in three consecutive games. You know, Slaughter's a really good athlete. He can play second. He can play third. And all he's done this year is hit 21 homers and driven in 74 runs. Um, so he's somebody that when he's swinging it right, he's an impact big league bat. And then Luis Vasquez, you know, you've talked about his defense in the Cubs system over the last four or five years. Well, guess what? The offense is finally clicking. He's on pace for 20 home runs. He's giving quality at bats. He has a 350 on base percentage. He can run. Um, and he's a guy that you put him at short, you play him at second. It's not just a big leaguer. He's a gold glover. He's a legitimate gold glove caliber defender. So any offense is just extra for him. He's a 23-year-old infielder. He's put on 15 to 20 pounds. It's starting to click. He's a legit big leaguer to me. So those are the three guys that stick out to me. All right, well, Alex, yeah, thanks so much. We appreciate all the time, all the knowledge, and it's always great to chat with you. I appreciate it. I'm taking the king crown <laughs> off. I'm passing it to you. And, you know, I'm leaning in at this point, but uh, no, I appreciate you guys having me on, uh, whether it's yeah, Chicago Cubs baseball, they're playing well, Iowa Cubs baseball, Tennessee Smokies baseball, uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans baseball, and the South Bend Cubs. I mean, whenever the Cubs organization is 50 games over 500, they total for their four-season affiliates, it's, it's a really good time to be a Cubs fan. Absolutely. Well, Alex, thank you so much. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. That was a great chat with Alex, but Andy, rosters expanding about a week here, a little over a week. Uh, what what are you expecting? It, again, it's only 28. You mentioned that already, but like it's not big 40-man rosters now in September anymore. What are you expecting? Who do you think will get the call and, and help this big league club? Yeah, there's so you get the two spots. You get one pitcher and you get one hitter. I think the, the hitter I'm looking at that is a potential September call-up is Alexander Canario. I think there's a multitude of reasons. I think the biggest, it's his last option year, and he, the Cubs want to get a look at him in the major leagues before they have to make the decision this offseason whether to tender him a contract, whether to keep him on the 40-man roster, whether they want to trade him, et cetera, et cetera. We saw what, we saw what Alex Cohen said, right, where, they, where he, he he's really bullish on him. There's a lot of people in the in 
Iowa that are bullish on him, that, that believe in him. You want to give him that look up here. And I know talking to some people with the Cubs, the, the, the big thing was they wanted to see him healthy first mm-hmm. before they, they made any decision to, to bring him up. And we're seeing him healthy. Six home runs, 31 RBI. He's kind of settling into that groove that he was back in 2022 when it seemed like he would be a lock to be a, a major leaguer this season. I think he's an interesting guy in the sense that he provides some power, he provides some outfield cover, he provides a little bit of speed, as, as Alex mentioned, which I thought was a surprising factor for me. I think he's an interesting guy that can kind of help the Cubs as they look for a playoff push. And just given how deep their, their outfield is, maybe that doesn't put too much pressure on him where he has to come up and be that guy, right? Where it's like, you can come up and like whatever you, you do is, is a boost to us. Like, you just go do your thing. Yeah, and, you know, a right-handed bat who his numbers against lefties actually this year aren't that great. But, right. you know, a couple of hits against lefties on uh, on Wednesday, and he raked against lefties last season as well. So, like, while the Cubs have struggled recently against left-handed starters, uh, I think maybe he's a guy, yeah, I absolutely agree, who maybe factors in the DH conversation or spells a guy in the outfield or something like that down right. the stretch. So I could definitely see it. At, you know, I think PCA is a guy maybe down yeah. the stretch too, but like Canario – right at the start, let PCA play every day for a little bit, unless you really feel like there's a, a surefire role for the last month of the season that PCA can help you with. But I think it would be really good for either of these guys, if you think they're part of the future, to be in a pennant yeah. race, be up. It was super impactful for Nico Horner in 2019 to be up, be around this, see it every day, see what it's like to win, play that deeply into a season in games that really matter and, and uh, count for so much. But from a pitching perspective, you know, I, I'm really curious, and Alex touched on it, but like, Nick Birdie and Brad Boxberger, the guys rehabbing. Boxberger was has been an afterthought really for a while. Like and Birdie to a sense too. Like he had an appendectomy and it's been a couple months now coming back. Boxberger's been out for a couple months after a forearm injury that you know was thought to potentially be season ending. Now coming back, but he was a huge addition to yeah. this bullpen. You know, it was like it was him and Michael Fulmer essentially and Julian Merriweather, but it was a waiver claim. But like they only signed two guys, Fulmer and Boxberger. So. Getting Boxberger back, a former closer, getting Birdie back, like those are those are big guys potentially. And let's see how their rehab continues to go. But Birdie throws 100 miles an hour. Like, see what either of those guys can do to help this bullpen provide another veteran, like high leverage arm. I think would absolutely be key for this team. Yeah, it's something that they didn't necessarily quite add at the trade deadline. I know Jose Quas was was acquired in trade, and he's been pretty solid for them so far. But I think that could almost act like a almost like a September waiver claim per se, in yeah. the sense that they can provide a boost to a, a bullpen that that was going to be looking for reinforcements come September first. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it'll be definitely interesting to see how everything plays out with the Jordan Wick situation over the next few days and over the next week to see who uh, comes up from Iowa to help the Cubs down the stretch. But that'll do it for this week's edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Alex and Andy, I'm Tony. Thanks for tuning in.